0: Sure, where they're at in all this. I going to pray for I can. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, hello, hello. hello. Welcome, welcome. Uh, Eli, that was a great testimony. Um, and I didn't realize uh, that what moves you is a bowl of hash browns. We all have that food we all have that food item that we just love. And I think you guys know what mine is by now. Donuts, donuts, donuts. donuts, donuts, donuts. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, welcome again. Uh, my name is Minera, and this morning I get to share with you kind of what uh, God has been doing in my life and kind of what we believe God is doing for our church this year. Um, our senior pastor is not here this morning. Um, he is with a team that is in Cambodia. They are just wrapping up uh, the missions trip that we, go, uh, that we take annually. Um, so later tonight, they'll be getting on a plane and making their way back here to the States. It takes about a day. Um, with the flights and the layovers, uh, to fly from Cambodia all the way back home. So um, let's just take a moment and we'll just pray for our team and uh, for the other church that we partner with, um, that they would all be home safely, uh, make it home safely. So God, I thank you for this morning and I I thank you for your presence and I thank you for all the good work that you're doing in our lives. And Lord, we just want to lift up uh, Daryl, Lisa, and all the members um, of our church and our other churches who are in Cambodia and they're making their way back home. I thank you for um, guiding them and directing them while they were in Cambodia and, and uh, just partnering with you and what you're doing there. Um, So we're so grateful for that opportunity, and we pray that uh, they would make it home safely and that um, they would come back filled and and ready to share what you're doing uh, with us here. Uh, We thank you again. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, All right. I could sure use a donut right now. (laughs) Um, anyways, <laughs> yes, all of the above. So uh, a few weeks ago, uh, when Daryl kind of launched off the year, he talked about um, wh- we are best when, and it was like dot, 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 and he had a, a bunch of things that, uh, that happened um, and that God wants to take us through and all the things he has for us, that God always has best intentions for us. And when we learn to lean in and learn to follow him, um, those come to fruition. And so um, we are expected, or um, as we learn to press in and learn to follow him, we can trust that his best is for us. And last week, uh, Daniel came up and he talked about, you know, let's not get too comfortable, um, that life is full of risk, and that we should take some more risk in our life, that, we, that the biggest risk that we take is by staying in our comfort zone, because there we become stagnant, and it's there that um, our faith isn't grown, And so when we step out and take risk, God increases um, that faith in us and he he guides us through these experiences and and he encourages us and pushes us to help us grow. And so we should not live in the glory days of the past, but we should be looking forward to trying new things um, and to experience God in this way. So this morning, I'm going to continue kind of this talk on risk and dive just a little bit deeper as we um, talk about what God would have us do this year. And so you'll get to hear from my perspective, and next week you'll be hearing from Jacob's perspective on risk. And so we hope that uh, through our sharing, um, that God will be with us and that we would become a people of boldness and a people of faith. Um, so... Risk. So Daniel likes taking risk. If you heard a sermon last week, he enjoys it, I think. I do not like to take risk. I'm very risk adverse. I like to measure the outcome and think, well, if I'm going to take this risk, I've got to make sure I win. Because whenever I hear the word risk, I'm associating it with loss. Every time you take a risk, you risk losing something, don't you? And the greater the risk, the more loss is involved. And to me, I don't like to lose. So if I'm going to take a risk, I like to look at it carefully from all angles. And if it's too risky, if I'm going to lose more than I'm going to gain, then I'm not going to do it. That just seems silly to me. Why risk it? But the thing is, we risk every day, don't we? Every time we step out from our homes, we risk never returning. And likewise, if we stay in our home, I mean, there's a risk that we may or may not be safe. And we risk every time we open our hearts to love, whether it be romantic love or friendship love, Every time we do that, we risk rejection. Um, My cousin called me this past week, and we rarely ever talk, but for some reason we connected. And he was telling me about this relationship um, he had with this woman, and he thought everything was going well. And she expressed that she enjoyed being with him. And so he went ahead and decided to kind of define the relationship. (laughs) And her response, let's be friends. Ouch, right? Whenever we open our hearts, we risk rejection. Whenever we give our time to someone, we risk them not reciprocating their feelings. Now, risk doesn't always have to be uh, something uh, gloom and doom and sadness. Risk can be fun. Uh, one of my favorite games is Risk. <laughs> I love playing Risk. And if I were the blue armies here, I, I don't know if you guys have played Risk, but what you do is um, you try to build up your armies so that you can go to your opponent, attack their armies, and take over their territory. And the idea is global domination. Oh, yeah, see? This is the kind of risk we like to take. But as you can see here, I mean, there's still, you know, there's different kinds of risk involved. There's high risk, there's low risk. If I was the blue guys and I wanted to attack that one uh, black army in North Africa, the risk of me losing is pretty low. And how you battle is you roll dice. So there's still some risk in that, right? So if I were to attack, that would be a good strategy. Or if I wanted to combine like, two of my armies here, those blue guys, and push to the Middle East, it's kind of an even attack. So the risk there is a little bit higher. But if I want to win, you know, I need to do this math. I need to calculate the risk. Because eventually, I do need to attack everybody so that I can take over the world. Right? So tonight your challenge is to play Risk if you've never played it before. Now I do want to ask you guys something. Like I don't have donuts, but I do have this wonderful picture of donuts. And if I were to present this to you, and I would say, all right, you guys have an option. You can take a donut and enjoy it and be happy with it. Or you can say, forget it. I will take what is in this brown paper bag. bag. How many of you would go for the brown bag? About 20 of you. How many of you would go for the sure thing and get that donut? And how many of you think this is stupid and you don't want to raise your hand? Because <laughs> I only counted like 20 and 20. I mean, <laughs> there's, a, there's some of you that's like, I don't know if I want to eat the donut. What if it's poisonous? Uh, I don't know if I want the bag. I mean, there could be something awful in there, you know. So you're just like, mm-hmm. I don't know what's in the bag. <sighs> I'm sure it's good. sure it's good. That's the thing. We kind of take these calculated risks in our life. And that's what we do. We measure the outcome. And if there's a lot of loss, then we probably won't do it. Now, some of us here like taking risks. There's about 20 of you who is willing to go for the unknown, the thing that is not seen, in hopes that it is better than what is already in front of you. And there are some of you that have done the math, done the calculation, and you like donuts, and you... Could care less what's in the bag. You know, and then the rest of you are just not hungry. So there's that. And so what we tend to do with all of our decisions is we do the math, right? We calculate, and we try to do whatever um, is going to work out for us. Whatever uh, we can gain from it, if it's going to be more than our loss, then that's the route we're going to take. And so we kind of take this mentality with us as we are learning to lean in and live this life with Jesus. As we learn to follow Jesus, we kind of take this mentality of calculated risk. So when Jesus calls us to do things, he gives us something uh, to obey. We do the math in our heads. We go, well, Jesus, I know you're asking me to do this thing, but... I'm doing the math, and I don't see myself winning. I see myself having to sacrifice things, sacrifice my time, my money, my energy, leaving myself vulnerable. And so what happens is sometimes we tend to do the math when Jesus is asking us to obey. And so then we hesitate to take that risk. But as I learn to lean in and to follow Jesus, I'm realizing that that's not the state of mind we want to be in. As God calls us to walk deeper and to obey, there is a high level of risk. He tells us to count the cost. It is high. And he's looking for people who are willing to follow. Jesus said it plainly, that he was going to send out his disciples and his apostles, um, that as they were going out to um, bring healing to those who were sick, to cast out demons, um, to preach the gospel, that he was sending them out like sheep among wolves. Can you guys just picture that? When I think about a sheep among wolves, wolves i've never seen it but i can picture it and it is not a pretty sight it is very very scary but this is what he's telling his disciples i am sending you out just like that and he told them later on that he would as they went out that they would be handed over to the local councils they would be flogged in the synagogues they would be brought before governors and kings as witnesses that they would be arrested, betrayed, and hated. And Jesus made it clear that this persecution was not a possibility, but that for those who obeyed him, it was a certainty. Pretty scary. Pretty high risk. But these disciples, these followers of Jesus, have already committed their lives to him. And because they knew who Jesus was, and because they have seen what he has done, they trusted him. And that trust began to work itself out, and they had faith to obey. And faith is what's needed as we take on risk. And this idea of faith and obedience is kind of like um, two sides of the same coin. It goes hand in hand. Faith isn't faith unless we do. So kind of what I want to talk about for the rest of our time here is what is faith? What is faith? Um, And kind of what it is not, and and this is uh, just a perspective I take on it. So you might have a different idea of what faith is. Faith is one of those words that over time and with your experiences in life it kind of just gets kind of everyone kind of has their own definition and for most people faith kind of starts in the head and it's kind of this belief that we have oh you just got to believe it's this faith um, just uh, you got to have the faith have you heard of that just believe well, i want to submit to you this morning that faith doesn't just stay in the head but it forms into action. So it's faith um, that causes us to behave a different way. So if you have your Bibles, um, I'm going to be dwelling in the book of Hebrews. Um, And Hebrews is, if you haven't ever read Hebrews... So wonderful book. The first 10 chapters, the whole book is about Jesus. The first 10 chapters is kind of comparing him with the old covenant and how Jesus came to fulfill that. And then in chapter 11, this is kind of the faith chapter. So the very first verse of chapter 11 tells you what faith is. And then the rest of the verses in that chapter brings up a bunch of examples of faith being worked out. Um, so it's a great book. Especially if you're wondering kind of, uh, what is this faith? What is this thing called faith? So I'm going to just, let's go ahead and go to Hebrews 11. um, And we'll just read verse 1. And I'm reading from the ESV. So Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And I'm going to stop there. Because some of you guys have a different translation, I'm sure. And yours might read something like this. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So I have a slide up here. Um, the first one is kind of the, the Greek the words in Greek of what uh, some of the differences are. So I'm not going to pretend that I know Greek and I'm not going to pronounce that for you. But the first, the first one, faith is the assurance, confidence of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. When I read that, it seems like faith is this internal state of mind. It's something that I can't be totally sure of, but but i know that it's it's going to happen so it's just in my mind it's what i'm hoping for in the second one faith is the substance or the reality of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen here we see that faith is kind of more of an experience It's an experience that puts you in touch, or it lets you taste the substance of something you were hoping for. Clear as mud? <laughs> Those two things are very different. Very different. But again, translating from the Greek to another language, And pulling in the author's intent, pulling in the culture, pulling in um, all these uh, variables to kind of try to do a precise translation to another language is very difficult. Uh, Most scholars of thought kind of lean towards the second definition, um, especially because when you read the rest of the chapter, it kind of supports that. So faith is the substance of things hoped for, it's the evidence of things not seen. Uh, there was an illustration um, someone, I heard someone talk about, and it is, um, I think it'll work for us because we kind of live in this reality of winter, sprinter, spring, summer. <laughs> so something happens in March. Right now it's really cold. But something happens in March where you get like that one day of 60-degree weather. Are you guys familiar with that? It happens, right? And what tends to happen when that happens? (laughs) Yeah, it snows the next day. But that one day that is 60, I will be driving in my car, and I will notice somebody wearing shorts, T-shirts, and flip-flops they are anticipating that summer is coming. They are hoping that summer is coming. They do not yet see summer, but they are experiencing that reality that summer is upon us. And they have good reason to believe that summer is coming because the crocus flower in the spring, it's one of the first flowers that pops up. There's evidence, there's reason to believe That yes, spring is here, that means summer is coming. Right now they're living in the state of spring, they're living in spring, but they are hoping for summer, and their actions reveal that. They're wearing their shorts, their t-shirts, and their flip-flops. So they're actually tasting a part of that reality of summer, even though it's not quite there yet. And that is kind of what faith is. So biblical faith begins with reason. It's not this leap of faith. It's not this blind faith. It's not just believing in something just because someone told you, but there's absolutely no reason to believe in it. There's a reason for faith, and the Christian faith is that way. It starts off, with a reason to believe, which produces action. So Hebrews 11. Let's continue. Uh, let's see. We, let's start by, uh, let's go to verse 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteousness. God As in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. See, it's interesting here, when we read about Sarah and She's an old lady. She's about in her 80s at this time when God sends his messenger to tell her that she's going to conceive and have a, have a child. And when she first heard that, she laughed. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but then she considered. So she reasoned it out. And that caused her to believe that, hey, this can actually happen. So her faith started off as reason, and then she believed. And she acted upon it, and it, it happened. I don't have time to go through um, the rest of the book of Hebrew. That's going to be your homework, actually. <laughs> Read the, the chapter in, it, in its entirety. Because um, I think that's going to uh, increase your faith as you read it. Um, and it's going it's to help you kind of see where this faith and action go hand in hand. Um, so everything that uh, these uh, people of history are going through, um, I kind of want you to read it, take it in, and then I want you kind of to analyze your own life and see that every time you've acted in faith, your experience with Jesus grew. And so I think that would be a great exercise for you. Um, but right now, I kind of want to shift a little bit and talk about what are the practical things that we can do as a body of believers. Because I think it's all fine to say that, yeah, my personal walk with Jesus, I do a lot of uh, faith things. I I go and, and I obey and I experience Jesus. But then we have to somehow tie it in to this body. I mean, what are some of the things we can do together to kind of increase our faith together to experience what Jesus would have us experience? So let's turn to Luke five. Luke chapter five. We'll start off with chapter one, and this is when Jesus calls his first disciples. So here we have um, Jesus. He is kind of wrapping up um, his sermon, and and he sees Peter in the boat, and he's like, hey, why don't you go cast your your net into the deep? And Simon Peter is kind of, he's funny because he kind of responds in a way I would respond. Like, I've tried so hard all night long to get fish, And now, Jesus, you're telling me to drop what I'm doing. It's late in the afternoon, and you want me to go and throw my net over. And so his response to Jesus is like, okay, I'm going to do it, but you do know that, you know, I didn't catch anything the night before, right? And I'm kind of the same way. When somebody asks me to do something, I'm like, I give them all the reasons why I shouldn't do it, and then I go and do it. Just to make a a point. And Peter's kind of doing the same thing. But he acts in faith because he knows, he doesn't know fully, but he gets a sense that Jesus is, is, there's something about him. So he's going to trust him. And so he throws the net and there's so much fish. So much fish that he has to call to the other boat and his partners to come and help him out. So as a community, I think from this story, we can learn that there are things happening. There are outreaches that we do. There are missions that we are a part of. And as we see God working, we're inviting all of you to come and help. And so one of the things we can do to kind of increase our faith and our walk together is to just get involved. Um, There are some of you guys that are doing amazing things. Let everybody else know about it. We want to participate. We want to see God moving because this increases our faith. Another thing uh, we can do is practice hospitality. Some of you guys uh, are already leading Connect groups and some of you guys are leading Bible studies. Um, There's a lot of things going on. Um, For those of you who aren't there yet, um, I would encourage you to begin practicing hospitality in ways of just getting well, in ways of just inviting people to come. When we practice hospitality, when we uh, make ourselves available to people, it doesn't necessarily have to be always at our house, but when we um, take the time to reach out to someone when we step out of our comfort zone to befriend someone who is not like us, um, these are the things that are going to challenge us, but at the same time, it's going to help us grow in grace. And if you've never experienced God's grace in your life, this is one way, that um, one practice that you can choose to do that will, will increase that. And the final thing that we could do together is pray together. Pray together. When we come together in unity and when we come together as one body, God shows himself to us, reveals his will to us, and we can partner together and do something great. So when we do that, um, this is one way in which our faith is grown. So, when we take the time in February to do our our annual fast and prayer, this is one way in which together as a body we can come and to experience that faith. Sound good? All right. um, I hope that was all clear. (laughs) I'm going to kind of close this up now. um, So, I'll have the The worship team come up, and we're going to take the time now to kind of just respond um, to what Jesus would have us uh, do this morning, and uh, I'll have the ushers come forward. They'll they'll collect those Connect cards um, and your offering. Thank you for being generous. You can also respond by um, taking communion that's in the back. So while we're singing this last song, um, if you want to take the time to remember what God has done for you, um, please go ahead and do that.